Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Well, hey, friends. Welcome to Hope Talks. I am Pastor Margaret Michael, and today I'm joined by Grayson Willis, her sidekick. That's right. Sidekick's coming coming to you um, from Hope Talks. And today we are um, joined by Rachel Hens. Thanks for being here, Rachel. It's good to have you. How are you doing today? I am blessed. You know what? I, sometimes people say, how are you? And I say, I'm blessed and highly favored whether I feel like it or not, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's not by our feet. We don't go by our feelings. That's all right. We go by faith. Well, I'm gonna, I have a fun question I want to ask you today. Do you like ice cream? I do. Do I you? I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. What kind of ice cream do you like? What would be your favorite? Well, key lime pie ice cream, which is on at Klein's what? this week. What? This week. Yes. <laughs> Plan to go get some this week. I do. I've had key lime pie ice cream one time. It was in Sarasota, Florida. The best key lime pie ice cream I've ever had in my life. I haven't found it here yet, so maybe I should try there. Wolf Street. Yeah. Wolf Street. You had me at Klein's, not at Key Lime, but you had me at Klein's. And at the time of this recording, so if anybody's listening, that's probably too late for you. Yeah, to right. That, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Grayson likes Klein's vanilla. I'm just going to answer for him today. <laughs> I'm always switching it up a little bit on what kind of ice cream I like because I love it. All kinds, except I'm not a huge vanilla fan. I like to have something crunchy in my ice cream. I like that, you know. She likes her grandma's ice cream. That's right. That's right. Great nut banana. banana. That's right. Rachel, if you'd like to just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania. I grew up on a farm family, and we did lots of hard work, as farm families do, and uh, the church was very much, you know, we were very active in, in our local church. And um, so I had two sisters and a brother. And so, yeah, and I was pretty sheltered, but we had a great family life together. And we didn't get a chance to vacation too much because cows had to be milked. That's so exactly we, we right. I knew that life. <laughs> we couldn't stay overnight. We had to go to the shore and come back on the same day. Yeah. And when yeah. you're in Pennsylvania, you go to the shore. You don't go to the beach. I found out when I came south, you go to the beach. Really? It is Virginia Beach. Yeah. But it's the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Um, so what was your experience growing up, obviously, on a farm? I can identify with the hard work, and a lot of people listening can identify with that. What was your church like? What was it like for you to go to church? Well, our church was your typical uh, traditional Mennonite church. Uh, it was a um, pretty close-knit group of people, and we had excellent teaching and nurturing. We learned to sing a cappella. Mm. We learned you know, the basic truths of the Bible. Uh, but it was a little bit legalistic, mm. as it was back in those days. Yeah. It's not so much now. Mm. But yet, you know, I knew that God loved me, okay. and... That was the important thing, and yeah. we just uh, we were growing in our understanding, you know, yeah. of what um, what the Christian faith really is all about. I think it's beautiful, even for myself, to think back um, to those days and realize the foundational truths that God mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. you know, 
planting in our hearts and building. We were building a foundation of right. faith. Right. Um, and so that's a priceless gift that not everyone has. You know, there are some folks that have never entered the doors of a church as children. Right. Um, I'm thinking of a guy that showed up um, here a couple years ago, and he had never entered the doors of a church. And he's a believer now, and it's beautiful to see him grow in the Lord. But I think about not having that foundation, and it makes me grateful mm-hmm. Yes, um, for those days and having parents that, Mm-hmm. took me to church right. and also um, I was privileged to attend a Christian high school mm-hmm. so that was very important in my Christian walk because um, I had some um, issues in high school I tended to be very shy and introverted mm-hmm. and people that know me now say oh <laughs> you, you've got to be kidding but I was I was very shy and introverted but um, I realized that there was a, a speaker that gave a message in our chapel service and his verse, his theme verse was Philippians 4.13, I can do all things mm. through Christ who strengthens me. And that mm. became very real to me. That's a foundational it's verse. It's a foundational verse. And that mm. got me out of my depression and out of my feeling that I was, you know, a lot of insecurities mm. and um, inferior and all of those lies of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the beginning of my turnaround and wow. my uh, turnaround in my walk. And um, so... I needed to surrender all of that to Jesus mm. you know, and trust him. So that was a very, very important uh, at that time in high school. So it helped me to um, start to just gain confidence in him, mm-hmm. in the Lord. And then um, I really feel like the Lord guided my choice of uh, secretarial work, which that thrust me into public life. Mm. And so then that was a growing, a real growing experience. And then, of course, I decided to come to Virginia to go to school and started working at Eastern Mennonite College. It was okay. college at that time. And later, I worked in a church office for about 26 years. So that really helped me to learn to interact with people mm-hmm. and it just be a blessing to other people that I was working yeah. with. I would have never guessed that you were shy. I know. I mean, I was thinking back to the days I used to do your hair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What great conversations! I remember, I remember we those have. conversations. Yes, yes I do. Uh, I do. Too. I love that. Yeah, the Lord just can transform us from the inside out. He does it from the inside out, and little by little, it was gradual. Mm-hmm. It was a gradual transformation. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so that was uh, that was very because right. I, I really needed to. I had to learn to depend on Him because I mean I was thrust into situations that I had never dreamed of ever needing to deal with. Yeah, I understand and that. So, <laughs> so we find that God really gives us grace. Mm-hmm. Right. You mentioned something, Rachel, that I wasn't aware of. I didn't realize, and I'll kind of ask two questions in one, but I didn't realize that you had worked in a church for 26 years mm-hmm. and also that you had went to Eastern Midnight College at the time. So right. I kind of ask one and probably go into the other. What made you decide to come to Eastern Mennonite College? How did you hear about that? What did you study? And then how did you end up working in a church for 26 years? Well, I had always wanted to learn a language, right? Right. And when I was in high school, I took mostly business courses. So I never really learned another language. And I decided I wanted to learn German, to speak German. Mm. Interesting. I took two years of college German, and I really loved it. And I, I loved learning about the culture and then had a chance to travel to Germany 
And that was uh, in 1966 was the first time that I traveled to Germany. And lo and behold, the very next year, I met my future husband. Mm. And so I had that background of having been very close to where he grew up, where he was born. Wow. And And so, of course, didn't know him at that time. But I, I mainly want to, back to your question, I want to study a language and liberal arts. I want to study some art and music and so forth. And um, so basically that prepared me then. And I also took some more business courses. And then I was asked to work at EMC for a few years until we had our oldest son, our oldest child. Then I, I stopped uh, after that to raise my children. And um, then when it was time, when our children got into school, I was more free to because they were in a Christian school, we needed to have some extra income. Mm-hmm. So then I noticed there was an opening at a local church uh, for a church secretary. So I interviewed and was hired, and they hired me because I was not a member of that church. Mm-hmm. And so I totally enjoyed that experience. It was very challenging, things I had never done, never thought I could do, but mm-hmm. God helped me. <laughs> he helped me right every step of the way, and um, I felt like I had a second church family mm-hmm. in a way. I saw the children grow up, you know, Mm -hmm. and get married and so forth. And so, so that was, that was a a really wonderful experience. It really was. So God prepared you with German, learning the German as a language Mm -hmm. in preparation for your future husband. And he even gave you a trip to Germany in that preparation as well. Um, That's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. So how did you, tell us a little bit about your German husband. How did you all meet? Well, we met getting ready to go up the mass to hike up the Massanutten. It was a church group. We went to the same church back in the mountains. It was a, a church that was like an outreach of Eastern Mennonite. And uh, so we went there, and I started speaking to him, trying to speak to him in German. And he said, no, I don't want to speak German. I want to speak English. So <laughs> so, and, so that kind of relieved me because I really didn't know how to speak German very well anyway. I could understand it better than speak it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how, that's how we met. And, of course, he was, he was a student there and did not graduate until, uh, I guess it was four years later, he graduated. And then I, um, when I was, became pregnant with our oldest son, of course, I stopped working, and he graduated. And so the rest is history. We had two more children. We had a total of three children. Yeah. And uh, so God really blessed us. Yeah. They were, each one was a special right. gift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you ever go back to Germany? Did you all visit? Yes. The, the year that he retired from his teaching he he became a teacher a school teacher taught school for 26 years and we decided to go back to his home where he was born and see his brother he had a younger brother that was still living at the same home in the same home where my husband had grown up wow and so we got a chance to kind of go through the neighborhood and see the places that he used to play as a child and so forth and get into trouble and all those things. Uh, so that was a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, and even had a chance to see where he was during World War II. The children were taken from their homes in northern Germany and taken to another school in southern Germany to be protected from oh, wow. the bombs, from the bombing. And so we had a chance to go to that little village where he had stayed and saw the house where he actually stayed. And um, it was just an awesome, 
experience. Wow. I just almost, you know, to relive that, you know, mm-hmm. with him. So God blessed us to be able to make that trip. Wow. And yeah. Where in Germany was this that your husband was originally from? He was from Duisburg, which is close to Cologne, not too far away from Cologne mm-hmm. and Dusseldorf. And I had been there, of course, you know, back in 66 and had gone to the cathedral in Cologne, which is very, very mm-hmm. beautiful. And so, you know, it was just great to go back there. That is such a beautiful country. Mm. It reminds me more of the valley. And I think there's some thoughts that maybe it's how the settlers, some of them ended up here was because it was so much like where they were from. Yes, yes. I have heard that very same thing. Yeah, and I just, it was amazing to to drive those roads um, and just see the rolling hills. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a rich, of course I have ancestry from there. So it's yeah. I'm connected my heart a little bit mm-hmm. um, there too. So yeah, that always intrigues me. When I think of Germany, I know I had a chance. I didn't get to go to Cologne, but I went to Frankfurt and to Kaiserslautern. Uh, we have some churches, Nazarene churches over there, and uh, my uh, grandfather actually served in the Vietnam War and was also did some time over in Germany also. So you know, bringing up different memories as you were talking and sharing mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. y'all's visit there and mm-hmm. your return visit, I guess, after you had gotten married. And just anything else um, about your, just whatever you want to share, Rachel, about your testimony um, with us, um, things that have had an impact over the years or, you know, how God's used you to minister to those around you, whatever you want to share. Well, I would say that... Um... You know, I I realized um, that I really needed a deeper work of the Holy Spirit, and I um, came into contact with uh, the teaching of Neil Anderson mm-hmm. um, in his book "Who I Am in Christ," and that was a really life changing um, experience for me to understand, learn to understand his teaching, and um, I realized that you know. I had been, the Lord revealed that I had been believing a lie uh, of the enemy about my true identity. Mm. And I had fallen into the trap of believing that I was inferior to everyone else. And I was constantly comparing myself with others. And once the Lord showed me that he accepted me as he created me to be, then I could be free to realize his destiny for my life. And um, it was during that time that I came to really have a, not a burden, I would not say, but uh, a real interest in encouraging other women. And I was part of a small group that I led, and we were mainly encouraging one another and had to do a lot with our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that was a real um, stretch for me you know, to walk that out. But I felt like the Lord was preparing me for the future as far as how he would use me to minister to people that are broken because, uh, you know, every family has brokenness. True. And God was good to me. He just uh, gave me grace to just be there for different individuals and just to be a listener, just to listen to their pain and listen to, and just to be a friend, mm-hmm. to be a real friend. Because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for relationship and yeah. love yeah. and acceptance. And I believe that's what we're meant to be as believers Mm -hmm. to the world around us yeah and you know when you say acceptance some people go no we can't but we have to 
accept people where they are. That's right. It doesn't mean that we just accept everything and every belief, but that we accept the person. That's right. And we we agree to walk with them in love, letting God be their God, not us, right? Right. Um, yeah, I think that's really powerful. I What you had shared about um, comparison. Comparison, um, when we fall into that trap, the enemy uses that. It steals our joy. Comparison is such a trap. It is. That's true. It's so um, true. Because it, it causes us to look inward at ourselves and be discontent. Right. Usually. Yes. And that's where we land. Mm-hmm. That's true. And God has this great plan for us. Um, things for us that we've never thought of or imagined. But the enemy also has a plan for us. And that's not to be in God's plan. And he doesn't care what it is. Yeah. He can distract us with comparison uh, of others like they're not usually earth-shattering things but they're just distractions right from what God has for us mm-hmm. and how old would you say you were when you had that aha how far in your faith I would say I was probably around 50 wow yeah wow that's mm-hmm. amazing it's just made such a huge difference I mean it was like you said, an aha moment mm-hmm. that God reveals himself. It's that tr- the idea that truth will set us free. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's life-changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I just, in my mind, when you, when you were talking, I just had in my mind this young woman. Not that 50 is old because, you know, I'm over 50. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the journey of um, a believer we will continue all of our life to be changed to be more like him. We don't arrive at 40 or 55 or 59. Like it's until the day we are taken home. Right. He will continue to um, mold us. And it's not like there are hard things that come in our life. Like I'm going to guess that not all your life was just a bed of roses. You know, it was not. But, but would you be who you are today had it been? That's true. And I often have to thank God that he took me through the experiences that he did because I know that I would not have learned to depend on him, you know, the way I needed to because I remember when uh, my husband's health started to fail Mm. and the Lord said to me very clearly, my grace is sufficient for you. (laughs) Yeah. And my power is made perfect in Mm. weakness. And I've never forgotten that. Wow. And people would tell me all the time, Oh, if you're a caregiver, watch out. You're probably gonna you're probably gonna uh, go before your husband does because <laughs> that's such and, encouragement. And so encouraged. And I said, I am not going to allow that to happen because God is enough. He is enough. And you know, I do believe that when you get caregiving and leaning on the Lord out of order, mm-hmm. then it may take you. But if we if our affections are ordered in the order that God calls us with Him first. Right. It makes all the difference. And, of course, another big piece of that, too, is having a network of people that can support you. Yes. And I I will say, and this is a a shout-out to our community, because Mm. there's an excellent caregivers network in this community. And a lot of people maybe are not aware of that. But it is very intentional. And Mm. I was very thankful for that. That just helped me very, very much. Yeah. And so, you know, that's important to reach out for help and not to try to do everything 
yes. on our own, thinking, well, I can do this. No, we need one another. We yeah. need each other. For sure. Yeah. This journey isn't meant to be walked alone, whether we're in a valley or on a mountaintop. That's right. That's right. I remember, I have such fond memories of your husband, and we got to go to Israel together. Yes, we did. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it's just some great memories of his vitality and that I'm trying to think of a good word for it when he was coming down the hill from the Garden of Gethsemane and he was leading the choir, the folks from Africa, and he was leading them. Yes. They yes. were singing and he just happened to be in front of them and yes. he starts doing the choir director um, in front of them and he was singing right along. It was such a beautiful picture. I'll never forget that. It was. It was. It's just unforgettable. <laughs> it is unforgettable. Just, that's a perfect example of his spontaneity. He was a very spontaneous person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did things very spontaneously. Yeah. I remember another thing. We were sitting at dinner after we had been to Calvary. I don't know if you remember this or not. And, you know, we're eating Middle Eastern food the whole time we've been there. And he picks up this chicken leg. And on the buffet, it said, Kentucky chicken. <laughs> and he's holding this chicken leg and he goes, he said something about the food, and he goes, I don't even know what this is. Like, And it was the one thing that was actually Kentucky chicken. Um, so funny. And he made a comment at dinner that night. He said, I've always sang on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, and today I found out that it was in a city nearby. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Like, he was so... Always thought that Jesus was crucified far out in the country, away from everything, but it was really in the city. And it was right there in the city where people would walk by, and that impacted him so deeply. Mm-hmm. He, he loved Jesus. Yes, he did. He loved Jesus with all his heart. Passionately. He was always handing out these little red crosses mm-hmm. to people in the doctor's offices, in the hospitals, the nurses. When he'd come back into the hospital, they'd say, oh, yes, I have one of those crosses you gave me the last time you were here. And they remembered him. Mm-hmm. You know? So I know he impacted a lot of people. For sure. Jesus. For he sure. Really did. They knew he loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, they knew that. Yeah, he did not hide that at no. all. That's true. And when you were talking about the red crosses, I was thinking when you're at Revival, they handed out red crosses. And I wondered if those were the same red crosses. The same ones that Reverend Spruill uh-huh. handed out. And we would keep going back to him to get refillings of those because he would always run out and we'd have to contact him and he would send us some more and he just I did not I did not know where the crosses started (coughs) that's where they started and I believe they said for me on them and I believe Reverend James Sproul's brother made those because he was really into that type of yes he was huh I didn't realize I still have a few of them around I do too Mm -hmm. I have a few um for sure yeah so that was a real witness Those were a good, like you said, a good tool to witness to people. Just leave them places. And mm-hmm. That's right. So it's cool that I uh, didn't realize that you all did that. Yes, and we, when we go to a restaurant for a meal or something, he would always you know, engage the waiter or the waitress and ask them uh, whether they uh, whether they knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say, I'd like to give you this cross to remind you that Jesus loves you. Wow. That was a good testament. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he um, he impacted a lot of people. I think of his love for flowers, and and now he's in a place where he right. can has has all the flowers. That's right. He'll ever want to enjoy. Yeah, but I think those flowers taught him a lot. It was really interesting to hear some of his stories. What yes. he yeah. learned. He had so many varieties of daylilies. That was his love, mm. the daylily, and so he worked very hard 
mm-hmm. and building flower beds and getting new varieties. And so I have dug up a few from the old property, and I have them in my at my oh, new in my good. new property. Very good. So, what does life? Um, what does your life look like in these days? How's the Lord using you? I believe He's just using me to be available, mm-hmm. available to people, um, to befriend people, to kind of connect them mm-hmm. uh, where they could possibly be uh, a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I just believe He wants me to be a blessing mm-hmm. wherever I go. Yeah, whether it's family, neighbors, yeah. friends, yeah. and just to be um, a reminder, you know, of God's grace. Mm-hmm. What God, the grace that He can give us. You know, I think that we live in a time and we're so busy, which is something that you don't want to get caught up in, but we find ourselves getting caught up in. But everyone, as a believer, this is something that we can all do, right? Yes. Um, We all have, for the most part, have neighbors, right? Right. Right. And you were sharing before um, we started just a little bit about just walking with a neighbor. Being present, being available, and the power of presence and the power of showing up in people's lives. You can't put a price tag on it. You can't. That's right. Because, you know, we, we don't always know how God is going to use us. You know, mm-hmm. we just need to be available and ready, you know, for those opportunities that come by, come our way. And they're not disruptions. They're divine appointments, would you say? Yes, th- exactly. Divine because they can feel like disruptions, right? Yes, yes they can. Like, I don't have time for this today. Yeah, like well, that's our calls. schedule. Yeah, the phone calls. I yeah. spend time on the phone, you know, listening and encouraging people. Right. But I have the uh, lyrics to a song, The Goodness of God. Mm. And this really sums up for me uh, the good news of the gospel Okay. for anyone I meet. And I'd like to read the words. Sure. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. So mm. I would say that that's, that sums it up for me. Mm-hmm. A songwriter can put it into words so much better sometimes. Yeah, that yeah. is that is beautiful. We just sang that last night, actually, at CR. It's a great it's, song. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I love those words. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Rachel, uh, any other thoughts that you would like to share with us uh, just in closing here today? Uh Anything else? I know uh, as you were talking about working in the church for 26 years, and uh, we always, I know uh, Pastor Margaret, the tapestry is her thing. Well, uh, God has you serving one day a week in our church, answering the phones, and if people come, making sure that the people they're supposed to meet with get connected with them. And mm-hmm. so I know that's one way that He's been using you. So, any other ways that you He's using you right now. I know you talked about ministering to your neighbor and friends and family. and Well, and I'm, uh, I'm also part of a little Bible study uh, group that we meet every two weeks. And we do a study together. And there's just maybe five or six of us. And uh, I feel like, you know, God has given me that opportunity to learn from others and just to be transparent, to pray with each other. And because I think that's just so important. 
we have that experience that we're continually, you know, uh, connecting with others and praying for one another. And um, I just believe that, you know, God wants us to continually do that and to mentor others, mm-hmm. to be a mentor uh, whenever the Lord opens that door for us. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's an important part. Of it. And even even in things like going to uh, water aerobics, the people I meet in class, mm-hmm. you know, it's just amazing how God just opens those doors for conversation and, and relationship. You know, it reminds me of, Jeremiah 29, even when the Israelites found themselves in bondage, he said, plant gardens, mm-hmm. you know, just be there Yes, and be in the community. And um, I think in these days, we may not be exiled to Babylon, but we are um, in some dark days and yes. it is a great time to shine light and to be present wherever we are. And having what we started out talking about, realizing that we matter to God, right. you yes. know, that we have that confidence that we're his. And if we're shy and feeling like we can't talk to others, knowing in Christ, he will give us, he will strengthen us to to be who he calls us to be, where he has us. Mm -hmm. And it is a little scary, right? Yes, it is. But he is faithful. We have to step out of that boat. We have to step out of that boat. And the Lord will be faithful with the rest. Yes, because he is He's always with us, yeah. Yeah. Yep. no matter yeah. where we are. Right. We can yes. rest in that assurance. That's right. Well, Rachel, uh, thank you for joining us today for uh, today's broadcast of Hope Talks. It's been great to have you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that as you've heard uh, Rachel Hinn's testimony, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.